Good morning. Good morning. Pastor David, one of the pastors here. If you're a first time visiting, I'm one of the pastors here and good to be here this morning. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, indeed, it is a, a blessing to, to be in the presence of God's people. Amen. And uh, we're going to have a good morning today. Amen. All right. Uh, first, before we get started, we want to uh, thank God and celebrate the return of our Rwanda team that um, returned from their mission trip in Rwanda. Yes. Amen. And we have some pictures that they, they sent back. We can go through um, some of the pictures here. Um, some of the comments they said, it has been eye-opening for the team to see how the Rwandan people serve one another, the vulnerable serving the vulnerable, and it is beautiful. The team has been able to spend time this week building deep relationships with pastors, their families, and communities, breaking bread together, sitting in the living rooms of those they meet, sharing family photos, and praying with one another. Man, and one of my favorite uh, quotes that, that came in is that the team was so humbled by the hospitality of the Rwandan people and truly feels that they are surrounded by brothers and sisters. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Now, I hadn't seen this quote when I had put my um, sermon together and my title, and the title of my sermon is Brothers and Sisters. And I said, look at that. Yes. Because there's a, there's a theme here in James as he, as he writes, and that theme is he is writing to his brothers and sisters, his brothers and sisters who are under persecution, who are suffering, who are going through some suffering, under oppression. And James is writing to his brothers and sisters to encourage them, to uh, teach them, as we have um, seen and heard in the last four weeks through the book of James. James's writing is really one of Christian ethics and principles and morals, how a Christian should live, uh, how we should behave ourselves, the things we say, we watch what we say, watch how we treat one another, make sure that we're not having favoritism, um, and just really be kind and, and show forth Christ's love through our lives. And that's what James is writing to really encourage. And, um, and, we, and I think we, we're getting that message, aren't we? I think we're getting that message. So I'm going to um, share today sort of the final episode of this series, um, sort of the, the climax of, of chapter, in chapter 5. But we are all brothers and sisters, as, as we know that, regardless of our racial, social, political, or economical, um, economical status. And James calls us his brothers and sisters because he wants us to be patient in our suffering, patient, and he wants to be, us to be praying, praying through our suffering, and he wants us just to continue to show forth our faith. And how do we show forth our faith? By our what? By our works, right? That's what we've been learning through these, through the chapter, through the second chapter, um, you know, that faith without works is dead, being alone. So we want to make sure that everything that we say we do in faith, we want to make sure that we have some works because the works will be the one that will demonstrate our faith, all right? So we're going to look into chapter 5. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. Glorious God, we praise you. Great God, we honor you. You are so good, and wonderful, powerful, and mighty. We are truly humbled to be your servants. Lord, fill us with your spirit again, Lord, that we might go out and empty into someone else so that you can fill us again. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word. Bless us, Lord, to receive your word and not to be hearers only, but to be doers also. 
and that we will continue to love one another, uphold one another. In Christ's name, we thank you and we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can turn to um, James chapter 5, please. James chapter 5. And Pastor Mark last week covered the first six verses in um, chapter 5. So it really is just giving a warning to the to rich, to the wealthy, to the rich that were oppressing their workers, not paying them their wages, taking advantage of them. And again, we reiterate, it's not that God is saying it's, it's wrong or it's a sin or you're an enemy to God if you're wealthy or if you're rich. That's not what God is saying. But he's saying that anything that we put before God and we treat people wrong, we treat people unfairly, then that is a sin. When we know to do right and we don't do it to us, that's sin. Amen? So we have to make sure that we are not oppressing people, that we are not using our wealth, our, our, our status, whatever it is that we have, we make sure we're not abusing people with it. Make sure we're glorifying God with it. All right? And it's not even just being wealthy. You can, you can, be, you can be poor and you can, you can put your poverty in, ahead of God. You can spend so much thought on your poverty that you forget who you serve. Oh, I'm just broken down and poor, and that's all you focus on. You, you glorify your problem, and you don't glorify God. When you glorify God, you make him bigger. When you magnify God, you make him bigger than your problems. Amen? We have to focus on what am I magnifying? What am I glorifying? I got to glorify God. Even in my suffering, I got to glorify God. There's not a Christian who's walking the face of the earth who's not going to experience some suffering in their lives. Heck, you know, if you're not a believer, you're going to experience suffering. <laughs> Amen? So I might as well experience the suffering with, the, some, with some help in Christ than experience suffering with no help. I'm glad there's one I can run to when I'm in trouble than to try to fix it on my own. How many do-it-yourselves we got out there? <laughs> Spend a lot of time in the spiritual Home Depot. <laughs> spiritual Menards. F-I-Y, fix it yourself. Well, you can't do that in the spiritual realm. We serve a big God. We serve a great God. We serve a gigantic God. We serve a glorious God who wants to help you and fix your problems. What a blessing. Amen. Man, I didn't mean to get off on all that, but, you know, <laughs> got to go with the spirit, right? Amen. All right, let's look at James chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 7. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You, too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. All right, we're going to stop there. Verses 7 and 8, James opens it up. Be patient. Be patient. Before you try to do anything on your, on your own, just be patient. Just settle down, all right? Just cool it, all right? Don't panic. It ain't over until God says it's over. Be patient. Be patient, brothers and sisters, because as the farmer is patient, he gives us this agricultural example, meaning as the farmer goes out, plants his seed, he doesn't come back the next day expecting anything. 
Unlike me, when me and my wife had a garden and, you know, I go out and, you know, plant the seed, I come out the next day and say, baby, where is it? Where's the stuff? He said, well, you got to give it time. You got to be patient. See, women are more patient than, well, my wife is more patient than me. I don't want to generalize it, but my wife is more patient than me. I want to see something right away. So this James is really speaking to me really good. He said, be patient because you try to do things on your own. You're not waiting for the seed to take, you know, the seed has got to die first, and then it's going to bring forth its fruit, but it takes time. It takes rain. It takes sun, and rain and sun, that's, that's the cycle of our lives, that sometimes it rains in our lives, and sometimes it's sunny in our lives, but the rain and sun is a balance to help us grow. If we have all rain, then we will drown in our sorrows. If we have all sun, then we will burn up in our sorrows. So God sends us both so there can be a balance, so we can grow. It's not all about suffering. You get those times where you rejoice and you're happy and things are going well, but then you got you to make sure you store up enough praise that when you go down back in the valley, you're able to make it through it. You got to store up enough thanksgiving, praise, and honor. So that when you, it's time... To go through and suffer, you'll have something to stand on. The farmer waits patiently for the, for the valuable crop to come forth. It's interesting, in Rwanda, their greatest crop is tea and coffee. And it is because at certain seasons, because of the, the slopes and things, that the rain flows down to the crops and gives it real good water. And it gets this its share of sun too. The farmer understands the cycle. We as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to understand the cycle that it's not Christ's desire and will just to make us suffer. It's his will to develop us, to mold us and to shape us. You have to, you, you, you got to go through some battles, right? And we don't always win our battles, do we? No, mm -mm. we don't all, there's some that lost a battle this morning. We don't always lose our battle, but we get back in there and fight because we might lose the battle, but we'll win the war. When it comes out to the, to the, at the end, we're going to win because we're on God's side. So be patient as the farmer is patient. Because it's going to bring forth this valuable crop. God's going to see you through. God's going to bless you. You're going to see that what you're going through it's for his purpose. It's for his blessing. Amen? So be patient. Stand firm. And he goes on, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. I love James's brothers and sisters. It's so intimate, isn't it? We are brothers and sisters. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Again, he's using that same theme the Lord is near. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble. Grumble means to complain and protest. Remember the children of Israel when the food ran out, when Pharaoh and his army was coming, what did they start doing? They started murmuring and grumbling and, and saying all kinds of things against Moses and, and God and saying, you brought us out here in the desert. We could have just stayed in Egypt and died, but you brought us out here. Grumbled and they murmured and they complained and they protested. It's easy to do that when you're suffering, when you're going through. It's easy to fall, resort to complaining and protesting. It's easy to do it. 
But James is encouraging you, don't do that. Because infighting, when you start infighting when things are going wrong, when a, when a husband and wife are having issues and problems or anyone in a relationship, when a business is, is having, relation, um, having um, issues, it's easy for those inside to start grumbling and fighting against each other. And it's easy when you don't have your eyes fixed on Jesus. When you don't have your eyes, your focus fixed on God, it's easy to start fighting and grumbling. So James is encouraging his brothers and sisters, take your eyes off your problems, look to God, don't grumble, don't fight, don't protest, don't complain, but praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give God thanks. Well, that's easy to say, Pastor David, because, you know, when I'm going through think, thanking God is the last thing on my mind. I, I understand that. I know that. I've been through a lot. But I develop and I learn and I grow that my greatest weapon when I'm going through is my prayer and my praise. Amen. Hallelujah. My greatest weapon is my prayer and my praise. So when you forget that, your suffering seems heavier. Your suffering seems worse than what it really is when you don't praise God. James said in chapter 1, count it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Count it all joy when you fall into many trials, when trials come your way. See the joy not in your problem, but see the joy in God. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna, I ain't going to tell you, see the joy in your suffering. No, I don't see joy in suffering. But I see joy in the one who brings me out of my suffering, and that is God. The judge is standing at the door basically saying, he's near. Don't judge one another. You are no better than anyone else. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, this is we're looking at as patience and suffering. Patience and suffering. The prophets suffered. Listen to Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Basically, Jesus, this is the Beatitudes, and Jesus is saying rejoice, you know, because they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So don't think that you're all special and, and, and or God is picking on you. They did the same thing to the, to the prophets who were before you. They were carriers of the word just like we are carriers of the word. They persecuted the prophets. They're going to persecute you, okay? You're going to go through some suffering, some persecution. Then he says over here also in Hebrews um, chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, he said, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus, listen to this is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Look at that. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. He's saying this to the Father. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters, joint heirs with Christ. He suffered 
for our behalf. And we'll get more detail into how Jesus suffered. But he suffered. So don't drop your jaw when you're suffering. (gasps) Me? Yeah, you. Why me? Why not you? Right? Now, this message isn't about suffering. This is the good news. Okay? And I'll get to the good news, but many times you got to understand there is a pathway to get to your victory. Right? It's a pathway. And so we're going to see as James is encouraging us, he said, you got you to be patient in your suffering, in the face of suffering, as the prophets were. He says, you know, we count those blessed, in verse 11, who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Job. All right. Everybody loves Job's story, right? Job was a great man, eschewed evil, upright, loved God with all his heart and all his substance. Then one day, Satan came and said, let me at him. Jesus permitted. Jesus said, you can, you can be at him, but you're limited to what you can do. See, whenever we go through and suffer, God always sees what you're going through. God has already examined what you're suffering through. God has already told the suffering, don't do this and don't do that. You can do this, you can do that. You can bring them tears, but you're not going to destroy them. God has already seen the suffering that you're going through. And he has examined it. He has shook it up and down. He has shaken everything out that might destroy you. As he told Job, um, Satan, he said, you can have them. Because Satan said, if you remove the hedge, he will curse you. He will not serve you. God said, I already know he won't deny me because I've already checked out what you're going to bring. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. God has already checked out. He's already examined what Satan can bring. So your unemployment, God has already looked at it. You're getting fired. God has already seen it. You're getting laid off. God has already, your bankruptcy, God has already seen it. God said it'll hurt you, but it's not going to destroy you. Don't we serve a great God? We think that our trials and our tribulations, our suffering is all new, but somebody saw it already, and that's God. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. God saw it. He saw it coming, and he's going to see you through it. Job suffered. I don't need to tell you the whole story. Job went through. He lost everything. He was a rich man. He was a rich man. Lost everything. His wife lost her mind. Job was scraping sores, boils. His wife said, let's just curse God. Why don't you just curse God and die? Don't take this no more. You've been through enough. God has turned his back on you. See, his wife wasn't thinking that God permitted this. She said, let's forget it. Let's curse God and die. Job said, you speak like a foolish woman. (laughs) He had three bad friends that blamed him for what he was going through. You can't listen to everybody. Job didn't listen to his friends. He didn't listen to his wife. Now, husbands, I'm not telling you. 
Make that a proclamation. In this instance, he didn't listen to his wife because he said, you're not, you're not speaking. You're not my wife. Now, would you, honey, I, that ain't you. You're speaking like those other women. But Job went through. And it says, Job 42.10, and Job had prayed for his friends because, listen, his friends were giving him bad advice, and what did he do? He prayed for them. And the Lord restored his fortunes. And gave him twice as much as he had before. God gave him double for his trouble. Job prayed for his friends and God restored him. Now, how many of us, when we get bad advice from friends, we say, oh, you're off my list. (laughs) You pray for them. When you pray for them, you are showing compassion and mercy and love. Then God can restore you. Job did not sin. Oh, he slayed me yet. Well, I trust him. Oh, he slayed me yet. Well, I trust him. He did not blame or sin against God. So Job suffered. Jesus suffered for us, even to the death of the cross. James goes on and says, I want you now, during your suffering, to learn how to pray. I'm teaching you how to be patient. Now I want to teach you how to pray. Look what he says in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. <coughs> Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Jesus is, James is teaching us through the words of Jesus how to pray. Prayer is communication with God, right? And communication means there's a two-way street. There's a sender and there's a receiver. If you have one and not the other, then it's not communication, okay? I like to use marital examples, you know, because <laughs> if my wife says something and I don't receive it, it's not communication, Right? Or if I receive something that she didn't say, <laughs> I should say perceive something she didn't, didn't say. It's not communication. Communication in when, is when something is sent and something is received. So when we pray, we are in communication with God. We are praying to God, and we want God to return and re- uh, communicate back to us, okay, through, our, through, his, through the Spirit, through the Word, through prayers, however God chooses to communicate back to us. It's a communication. Prayer is not magical, okay? Prayer is not wishing upon a star. Prayer is not breaking a wishbone. Prayer is not finding a four-leaf clover, okay? It's not rubbing the belly of a genie or a bottle and saying, genie, come out. It's not having three wishes. Prayer is communication, meaning you have been in communication and intimate communication with God. And to the point that you are receiving and feeling what God is saying for you to pray. 
It's not just a, a muddle of words. Prayer is, listen, when we pray in faith, God is obligated to come through for us, isn't he? When we pray in faith, okay? So when we pray, we have to make sure that we are in agreement with God. You don't just pray for something because you want it. I want a new car. So I just pray, Lord, bless me with a new car, knowing that I can't afford the payment. Oh, this nice BMW will be nice. Everybody will love me driving around. But I know I can't make the payments, but I'm going to pray in faith that somehow God will magically make the money show up and I'll be able to make every monthly payment. That's not praying in faith. That's hoping. That's hoping. Praying in faith is meaning I received this from God. God spoke this to my spirit. God spoke to me through the word. And therefore, now I am praying because God already said it. So I'm praying in agreement with God. When I pray in agreement with God, he's going to come through because he already spoke it. Hmm. When I applied for this job here at Door Creek, God said, go for it. I didn't just look up something and say, ooh, I'm going to apply. I'm going to do this and ask God to get behind me. I mean, get behind me like support me. Not like Satan get behind me, but get behind me and support me. I'm going to endorse God's name. I'm going to, I'm going to put God's name on this. How many times do we do that? Come on, let's be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many times do we do that? We pray something and say, ooh, this is God. I'm going, I'm going ooh, if God don't sign it, I'm going to forge his name on it. Amen. That don't look like God's signature. You can't pray. So I listened to God. My, my prayer was in agreement with God because God said, do it. Go for it. He said, I've opened this door for you. I've opened up the door creek for you. Go for it. So I did. And my prayer was, Lord, will you bless me to get it if it's your will? Ah, what was the key there? If it's your will. And God said, it's my will. So my prayer was in agreement with God. Therefore, God came through. Are you, are you following me? Uh, there are a lot of people who are disappointed in their prayer life because they are praying not in agreement with God. They're praying in agreement with themselves. They're shaking hands with themselves, but they're not praying in agreement with God. Pray in agreement with God. Listen to what God said. When, he, when he, Elijah, now, now we're going to the, the prophets that prayed. When Elijah prayed, remember, there was no rain for three and a half years, right? Three and a half years, there was no rain. And Elijah prayed, and the earth brought forth dew. Now, you read the scripture prior to when he prays for the rain to come, God spoke to him and he said, Elijah, I'm going to now bring rain upon the earth again. So Elijah prayed for the rain. But why did he pray for the rain? Because he already heard what God said. God already spoke it to him. So therefore, he was in agreement. His prayer was in agreement with God. Therefore, God sent the rain. You can be big and bad and bold and confident when you know you're praying in agreement with God because God is going to come through for you. It's when you're not sure and you're making things up, that's when you got to be a little, a little light-footed. 
But when you know what God has spoken and God has said, you can be confident with that and you can stand on the word of God because you know God is going to come through. And it rained, it rained, rain came pouring down or the earth gave up its due because God spoke it. And this same man, Elijah, who prayed in agreement with God, had defeated Baal, his prophets, his, his, all of his prophets. God had sent fire, burned them all up. God was so, God was so, so bad and so big, he sent water first and then burned it up with, even with, with, with water on sacrifice. This same man, Elijah, ran from King Ahab and Jezebel, hid in the cave. And in that cave, he prayed. He said, God, what do I do now? What do I do now? And what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying this for is because you got to be careful who you're listening to. When you ask God to speak to you or to give you uh, an answer or something or show you what to do, you got to be careful what you're listening to. You're looking for God to come in big, spectacular ways. You're waiting for God to write it on, in the sky like the Wicked Witch and the Wizard of Oz to write it. I'm going to get you, Dorothy. You know, God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. Elijah was in the cave, and a great wind came, but God wasn't in the wind. An earthquake came, but God wasn't in the earthquake. All these big, spectacular things, natural happening. And then fire came. God wasn't in the fire either. God wasn't in that. He wasn't in the earthquake, the wind, or the fire. Earth, wind, and... <laughs> they were just here last night. God wasn't in it. <laughs> just kidding. God wasn't in the earthquake, the windstorm, or the fire. But there was a still, small voice that spoke to Elijah. See, you're looking for the rainbow and the colors for God to speak in, and the deep mystery and the in the dreams with your eyes rolled in the back of your head for God to speak, and God is just saying it so nice and quietly, right in your heart, right in your spirit. You got to listen. And when you hear it, pray it so that you'll be in agreement with God so he can come through. He will come through for you. We learn of another man, a great man, more celebrated than any and worthy to be celebrated, and that's Jesus Christ. And Matthew says Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed. He told his disciples, stay here while I go and pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And he said, now you stay right here while I go and pray. And he went and he prayed. And he said, Father, if it be your will. Let this cup pass from me. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, we don't usually say this or think this or, 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 or hear this, but I don't want you all to drop your jaw when I say this. But when Jesus said, Father, if it be your will, if it possible, let this cup pass from me, that was not in agreement with God, was it? Don't be scared. Ain't no, nothing lightning is going to strike you. <laughs> that wasn't in agreement with God's plan, was it? No. So Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. Now his prayer got in line, got in agreement with God. 
Hallelujah. He said, not my will. How many times, God, do I have to pray? I have to pray a lot. God, not my will, but your will be done. I see something different, God. I see an easier path, God. So, Lord, can, if it's possible, can I take this lighter path, Lord? And then, no, 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 not my will, God, but your will be done. If I have to suffer a little bit more, Lord, your will be done. Because the more I suffer, I know you're going to bless me even great. If you, if you do anything like Job, you give me double for my trouble. So, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Now Jesus was praying in agreement with God. And it says that as Jesus was in agony, he prayed more earnestly. That word earnestly is the same word that Elijah used, that the James used, said Elijah prayed earnestly for the rain to come because earnest means praying in agreement with God. So when he was in agony, when he was suffering, God strengthened him. He said he sent an angel that ministered to him and strengthened him because now he was praying with God's will, God's agreement. When we pray in agreement with God, he will come through. said sweat was coming like blood, dropping like blood. But as he was in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He told his disciples, could you not even pray while they slept? Stop sleeping on your prayers, brothers and sisters. I'm talking to myself too. Let's make sure that when we pray, we're praying in agreement with God. He earnestly prayed. Elijah earnestly prayed. Jesus earnestly prayed. What does it mean to earnestly pray? Pray in the will of God. It also means to push. Say push. All right. Push. What does push? It's an acronym. Pray until something happens. We got any pushes? Oh, don't let me use that. Uh, <laughs> never mind. How many here know how to push? All right, a few of you. Pray until something happens. Not pray until I feel good. Pray until I'm tired of praying about this. Pray until prayer time is over. It's been 15 minutes. You pray until something happens. I'm not talking about that you're in the same spot praying. I'm talking about all through the day, all during, when you're washing dishes, when you're cooking supper, when you're making breakfast, when you're washing clothes, when you're driving in the car to work, you don't really want to go to work, but you're praying until something happens. You're praying until God gives you a new job. I don't know. But you, you pray anytime during the day, anytime you are, you are conscious, you can pray to God. You can talk to God. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be at 6602 Dominion Drive. You can be at home praying until something happens. Jesus prayed until the angel came and ministered to him. Elijah prayed until the dew came down on the earth again. We got to pray. And James is saying, pray. And he teaches us three ways to pray. He said, pray for yourself when you're in trouble. Call the elders to pray. When there's someone sick, and they'll anoint them with oil and pray over them and pray for each other. Confess your sins to one another. If any has sinned, forgive them. Praying for one another. 
Is any in trouble? Let them pray. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders. Now, on April 22nd, we're having a healing service here at the church. April 22nd at 430, it's going to be a healing service. We're going to pray and anoint with oil. It's the word of God says we want to pray in agreement with God. We want to pray in agreement with God. And God gives us the recipe what means to pray in faith. Pray in faith. Faith is simply moving and acting upon what you have heard from God. Faith is an action. As we learn in James, without works, faith is dead. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? Word of God. So, for order for me to have faith, I got to hear God's word. That's the only way faith can be activated, by hearing God's word. Otherwise, I'm just hoping that God gets on the same page with me. I'm hoping that he sees my ideas and he likes them. God, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty bright person. God, I have some great ideas, Lord. If you can just get on, my, on the same page with me, God, we can do some great things. It doesn't work like that. God is the leader, not you. God wrote the book, not you. You get on his page. You get with his agenda. He doesn't get with your agenda. You follow what he says because he's the one with the power. James closes this out and conclu he concludes this. Excuse me. After you have pushed, you have prayed until something happened, or maybe you're going to praise until something happened. Maybe you're going to persevere until something happens, whatever it is. You'll be patient until something happens. We want you to understand that, brothers and sisters, sometimes we wander from the truth. Sometimes one will wander from the truth. Amen. And someone, and if someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Say it will save them from death, spiritual death, separation from God. Cover over a multitude of sins. By you turning them back, by you encouraging them, not judging them, but loving them, caring for them. For we are our brothers and sisters, keepers. But praying for them, loving them, loving them back to the fold. James knew that even under the suffering, it's easy to turn inside and begin to fight and blame one another. But if we take God's stand, we take Christ's stand and understand that we are his and we are responsible for encouraging one another and loving one another. If I fall, don't tisk 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 at me. Don't say I always knew he was not anything. Don't judge me. Pray for me. Come and help me pick me up and say it's going to be all right. Just get back in there and try again. You're going to help me and encourage me. This is what Christ requires of us we are all trying to make it we all stumble we all suffer we all got weaknesses we all got things that we fight with every day 
but thank God for the prayers of the righteous. Woo, glory to God. Thank God for the prayers of the righteous ones that avail much. Thank God for you out there that are praying. That when, when Door Creek announced that we wanted a leader, you prayed that God was in the right leader, and I pray to God that I am the right leader. But you prayed. You prayed for my family. You didn't even know us, but you prayed for us. You didn't know what we were going through. You didn't know the things that we were suffering, but you prayed for us. And for that, I say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you helped us to get in agreement in where God wanted us to be. And now we're here. And we dare not throw this away. We dare not treat this lightly. But we are so thankful and grateful for God's will. It's exciting being in agreement with God. I love just sitting around saying, yep, yep, God. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. I like that. Yeah, God. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Instead of being at the table saying, well, what should we do, God? I like this. No, now I can just sit and say, God, it looks good. I love it. You look good, God. You do everything good, God. I appreciate you, God. I thank you, God. I adore you, God. I'm in love with you, God. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with talking to God like that. He loves it. Listen, with all the people cursing his name on a daily basis, and there's a lot of people cursing the name of God. If he just hears one, I love you for one of his children, that makes a difference. <laughs> just think about it. 10,000 people blaming and cursing God, but he hears your little prayer saying, God, you are wonderful. And he says, oh, it makes it all better. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. That does something to my spirit. I just, I just want to say, Lord, I love you all day long. But I know I got to eat. We close this, I close this out here. This is all for the gospel's sake. That everything we go through, everything we suffer, everything we prayer points us back to the cross of Jesus Christ. And next week we'll be celebrating his resurrection, death and his resurrection. What a glorious time. And we look at Christ, and I'm going to ask you to bring the last uh, the scripture up. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, this priest, we're talking about Jesus, he sat down <laughs> at the right hand of God. Look, anybody that gets done with anything and they sit down, they telling you, I'm done. They have a right to sit up. If you ain't done nothing, you need to stand up. <laughs> but when you have done something, when you have taken care of something once and for all, when I have cleaned the house from top to bottom before my wife comes home, I can sit down and say, I've done something. I feel good. Now, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and it says, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. 
Now, when you can sit down and then kick your feet up, you know you've arrived. So the enemy is his footstool. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God because he took care of everything for us. He took care of our sin. Sin no more has dominion or power. Death no more has dominion or power over us. Christ took care of it. The empty cross, the empty tomb is proof. He's not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. He's on the right hand of God. And he's watching out over you and me so that we could be blessed from this day forevermore. Sin has been conquered. Death has been conquered. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Now, today, you have an opportunity to receive the gospel, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Confess your sins to the Lord and say, Lord, you are the King. You are the Savior. You died for my sins. You rose for my life. By grace, through faith, I'm saved. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we're going to pray that this morning. You pray in your heart, pray to yourself, pray out loud, however you want to do it. But I want you to know, you sincerely mean this and receive Christ into your heart, then you are a follower, a born again, a server of Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved and a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>